going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob, hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, man, Bob. Last week, I was complaining about Star Wars. This week, it's total 180. I finally got to see Thor Rangrock. I have no idea how to pronounce the name, but it was the new Thor movie, and it was awesome. I had to see it before it left theaters this week. The only showing available was at 9 p.m. at Richmond Mall, which is like a 45-minute drive for me. So I drove a long way to see this movie to catch it, and, and I would highly recommend it for all of you who haven't seen it yet. You, you probably missed the boat, but I would still highly recommend it. You know, it will be available on demand and on DVD soon. Yeah, but I wanted to see it in the theater, man. That's the big screen. I, I don't have a, mm-hmm. a, a movie si- theater-sized screen in my apartment. I, I know some people might, but, but that, that's just not, not in my budget right now. Got to upgrade your home theater mm-hmm. for sports viewing as well. Yeah, that's true, but, but uh, I, my home theater is just fine right now. And uh, I don't know. It, it was just... I just want to see it in the theater, man. That's 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 how I roll. I'm old school like that. All right. Well, we're here to talk uh, Cleveland sports as always, uh, and despite the 0 and 16 record, uh, true to form of this season, the Cleveland Browns were still in the news, uh, even on the weeks where they're not playing games. The 0 and 16 perfect season parade was held over the weekend. Uh, Estimates say there are about 3,000 to 5,000 people in attendance uh, marching around First Energy Field, uh, quote-unquote, celebrating, uh, and that's pretty sarcastic celebration, uh, of the Browns' 0-16 season. The only other team to go 0-16 were the 0-8 Detroit Lions. So, uh, Chris, the parade happened. Uh, this isn't the first discussion or possibility of the parade, obviously, the same guy was uh, trying to put this together when when the 0 16 season seemed likely in 2016 for, for the Browns. Uh, he ended up do- donating all proceeds uh, that he raised that season to, to the, a food bank. Uh, this year, 0 16 happened. The parade happened. So, Chris, what was was it a good idea to, to host that parade? Uh, what are your thoughts on feelings on it? Okay, so before I get into my feeling, let me just say this. I think it's really cool that they donated the proceeds to the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. And a disclaimer here, my opinion on the parade is no way trashing the charitable element of what this accomplished. I think that's a very cool... That is the only thing I like about the Owen 16 parade. Okay, so so let me just make that very clear. Awesome that they, they got the charity involved. But ultimately, I am not happy that... The city of Cleveland, well, no, the city of Cleveland didn't do this, but that Cleveland Browns fans held a parade for this season. And you can call it a protest, you can call it a parade, whatever you want. I just think it's ridiculous that this team, this team that has done nothing since 1999, this team that loses year in, year out, goes 0-16, gets any sort of notoriety or recognition, even if it's a sarcastic one. Two years ago, we had a team that finished inches, a foul ball away from winning the World Series, and that team didn't get a parade. 
We've had three trips to the NBA Finals and only one parade to honor the Cleveland Cavaliers. It is utterly insane that of these five teams I just mentioned, four finalists, or one champion, three runner-up, and an 0-16 team, there were two parades, and one of them went to the 0-16 team. It is, I, I, am, I am really mad that this even happened. And it is just ridiculous. It shouldn't have been done. I don't care if it was sarcastic. I don't care if it was a protest. There is, this team did not deserve even a sarcastic parade. It deserves to just be put away in history and never spoken about again. Yes, yeah, I disagree with that. Uh, first and foremost, to call this a parade uh, is not, it was a march, it was a protest. Uh, nobody was happy to be out there. I mean, it, it was freezing in Cleveland over the weekend. Uh, no, Nobody wants to walk around the, the coast of Lake Erie celebrating a, a team that has been terrible for 18 years. This was absolutely no doubt about it, a protest uh, of the Cleveland Browns and their ineptitude. I, I think that it achieved exactly what it set out to do, and that was to embarrass the Browns organization and management, which they are certainly deserving of embarrassment. This team is awful, has been run by failures and, and jokes, and has been led un, under two ownership groups since 1999. Uh, one whose ownership style was completely passive and, and inactive and, and our current owner has them for the past five years has just been meddling to the point of, of sabotage. Uh, and, and Jimmy Haslam doesn't deserve, uh, is not responsible for those first 13 years of this Browns franchise, but he inherited it when he in, invested that amount of money in buying the team uh, and, and has not done anything in the five years of owning this team. He deserves to be embarrassed by the Cleveland Browns fans. It was widely reported, not just by ESPN, but I heard multiple stories on my drive to work down here in Nashville uh, on NPR. Uh, so it, it spread far and wide, and the Cleveland Browns are, are an embarrassment. That that's I don't think anybody would argue with that. Uh, this protest embarrass the Browns and put them on notice Chris in 2013 the Cleveland Browns were ninth in total attendance uh, in 2013 the Browns were four and 12 uh, the, the the Browns fan base has been so loyal to this zombie version of the Browns that came back in 1999 and, and the Browns have done nothing to to earn that loyalty it's waning uh, in 2017 Chris that the Browns finished Next to dead last in attendance, the lowest marking uh, in Cleveland Browns history uh, in the past 20 years. Uh, so, so since uh, the the inception of these 1999 Browns, the only team that that had lower attendance are the LA Chargers, and and, and we, we know that the the small stadium that they play in, the lack of enthusiasm for that team, uh, the 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 Browns, the Haslam's management, that they should be put on notice with this. Uh, that they cannot take the Cleveland Browns for granted because uh, lots of fans are angry and have felt like they have been taken advantage of for 18 years now. And I think patience is wearing ice thin at this point. Those are actually some really good numbers, Bob, and I'll do you one better. Those attendance figures that you just said, they're actually boosted by a home game in London that I believe 
counts for about 74,000, a game of 74,000 fans. Not even from Cleveland, obviously from, from London. So, so they're even worse than what you've looked at because it takes into account that London game. Here's, here's my big thing, and I'm glad you brought up the attendance point. I want to know how many of these two to 3,000 people who showed up at the parade, because some numbers said it was two, some said three. Let's just go 2,500 to split the difference. I want to know how many of them are still holding on to their season tickets. Because if you're going to protest this team, you got to tear up your season tickets. You got to stop dumping money into this franchise. And, and for me, it is actually refreshing to see that this fan base is starting to just say no to this team. Say no to nine years of, oh, excuse me, ten straight years of losing, of sub-500 football. Nine out of ten seasons, double-digit losses. Tear up your season tickets. Don't go to the games. Who cares if they get blacked out on television? Most people aren't watching anyway because they're so bad. The point is... If you're going to this parade and you want to protest this way, fine. But tear up your season tickets. Don't go to a game next year until it gets better. The other thing I just want to say is, yeah, it raised a lot of awareness. But at the same time, it's also going to fuel all these Cleveland haters who like to dump on our city. And I don't like... It's bad enough that the Browns have an 0-16 record. But now I feel like this city is going to get mocked because the outsiders are going to say, well, they even celebrated it. And, and I don't know. I just think it's just, it shouldn't have happened. If you want to protest, burn your season tickets. That, that's, that would have been a better protest, Bob. Just have a bonfire of season ticket holders burning their season tickets in the Muni lot or, or right, right next to the stadium and show Jimmy Haslam that, hey, we're not going to come in anymore. Or for the home opener, just nobody shows up. Just the entire arena is empty. Like like the, the Browns fans just line up around the stadium and don't even go to their seats. Like they don't scout their tickets or anything so nobody else can sit there, but they just don't come in. There's only like 10 people in the stands. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like Money is the ultimate uh, way to make a statement uh, in these cases, but I don't think it's fair to put that onus on the fans uh fans that have grown up season ticket holders that have inherited it from generation upon generation. I, I think you're asking, uh, something that, uh, is just unfair for, for a fan to their only way of protesting uh, is to just turn their back on something that is part of their identity, uh, it, it, going to Cleveland Browns games, watching Cleveland Browns games, uh, tailgating and going to those games. I, I think that this protest is a is a perfect way to circumvent that. You, these fans care so deeply about the Browns and want them to be successful. They want to be there when, God forbid, the Browns actually have multiple winning seasons uh, in succession or a winning season uh, at some point in the future. They want to be there, and, and to 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 say that if you if you want to protest the Browns, the only answer is tearing up your season tickets and getting rid of them. I, I don't think that that is fair to uh, a Browns fan that, that has grown up here uh, and has gone to games for their entire life. That's too much to ask of somebody. That's a fair point. So, so an alternative idea, 
How about you just give your season tickets to your next-door neighbor who happens to be a Ravens fan? Just give them to him. Give them to the opposing team's fan every single game. And that way the stadium is littered with the other team's fan. And Because it's humiliating for a player to play at home and be booed or, or to have the other team get more cheers than you. I know San, uh, excuse me, the Chargers, formerly of San Diego, experienced that plenty of times this year. But, I, Bob, I, I'm just as sick of this as anyone else in Cleveland. And I want there to be a message. I just don't think this parade is accomplished really anything. I, I think you make a bigger statement by having tons of empty seats in the stadium, by allowing the opposing team to invade your stadium. That is where... Those things are happening, though. Those things are undoubtedly happening. And then they should continue to happen even more. They were 31st in attendance last year. They should be 32nd next year if this continues because I I think those are more profound statements than a silly 0-16 parade. Yeah, I I mean, those are already happening because this team is so bad. Um, I, I think that this really puts the the ownership on notice it, it says hey if you if you actually are competent and, and and put in effort and try and don't swindle us we we will support this team but our, our patience is wearing thin we, if, if we go one in 15 next year you know we're not we're not showing up i i think we're at a breaking point i think this protest states that uh nobody nobody in cleveland wants to not see the browns successful uh Everyone that that has born and raised there w- w- loves this team and would embrace this team further if they were successful. Um, I think this protest just says, "Hey, t- time is ticking. Uh, we've weathered almost twenty years of just total awfulness, uh, barring two winning seasons. Uh, it, it's it's time to put out a, a quality." Uh, product year in and year out and if that doesn't happen soon then then nobody's gonna be in the stands Bob I also have a problem with all the players who are tweeting their disdain for this parade you had 16 chances to prevent this parade I I mean come on man the players are in no position to talk down on the fans I mean some tweets like don't come crying when we start winning I'm not worried about that whoever tweeted that I'm not worried about that I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not worried about this gravy train coming in next year because because this is going to be a long process. But but I, I, that that just irks me every time players do stuff like that. It's like, look, man, you guys are the one who lost 16 games, 31 out of 32, not the fans. And newsflash: the fans are still about. I think they averaged about 60,000 fans per game this year. I mean, that's still a lot of people showing up to see you guys lose all the time. So. Look, man, I, I get it. You're frustrated too, but you know, you you're the ones who actually had a shot to prevent all this, and 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 I kind of, I just get a little irked when players start getting mad at their own fan bases for situations they put themselves in. Yeah, I mean, and the players obviously they're the ones that that got us to to zero and sixteen. They're the ones playing the games. Uh, they they are, if I were to say, uh, an unfortunate casualty in any. It, in any party i would say the players are that because i don't doubt that uh the browns players didn't phoned it in at any point i mean nobody wants to be on on uh, on a historically bad team going zero and 16 uh, i don't doubt that they tried and gave their best effort 
they're just they're just bad i i i uh yeah, I, I agree with you. Like they, they have no right to be mad because they had 16 chances to win a game and this parade wouldn't have happened if they had just won one of those. Uh, I, I do feel bad that, you know, they are part of the embarrassment because I don't doubt that they tried uh, their best to win a game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It is they are an unfortunate casualty, but but I just think they should have just stayed out of it. You know, I I, I don't believe that this parade or protest was against the players. It's definitely against ownership. And I think the players should have been able to see that. But, Bob, I think like most people in this city, I am at my breaking point with the Browns. I was already there a couple years ago when the whole 7-4 and start turned into a 7-9 and season. But, Bob, since then they've only won four games. Three wins the year after that. One year they win a year after that, and then and then zero. I mean, the last three years to have thirteen losses each season for the last three years, Bob, it is terrible. It's terrible, yeah. and there is just no way to say it. They, they, but the Browns have had the number two, the number one, and the number one overall pick each of the last three years. I mean, yeah, it's great you're picking high in the draft, but but that means you're terrible. And 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 you look at the guy they they got two years ago, Corey Coleman. It's looking like it's teetering towards bust. I I, I mean, you know, he's had some bad drops. He's shown flashes, but he's got to start putting it together. And, and and it's just it's so frustrating that that year in year out they're bad, and and they can't even get an elite level player in here to to change anything yeah i mean the best thing coleman's known for at this point is dropping that pass (laughs) right ended that confirmed the season so in two years yeah i mean gotta consider him a bust year three is a make or break season for him talent is there obviously but um gotta stay on the field gotta catch the ball when uh it's lofted to you not let it hit you in the face without getting a, a hand on it uh, you know who's on the side of the fans, though, Chris, is LeBron James, who said, quote, uh, it could be worse. How about they just boycott a season until y'all win two games in a row? <laughs> uh, so uh, not all the players uh, didn't enjoy this. Uh, obviously, LeBron uh, speaking some wisdom to some of those Browns players that were upset. That's cold, man. LeBron's taking my my road of thinking, just boycott all the games or something like that. But, it, it, man, it – this is as low as it's it's going to get. I mean, it, it can't get any worse than this. Even if they went 0-16 again, it, we would still be on the same level of worseness. I guess that's the only consolation that can come of this, is that there is no more rock bottom. We're here. It's just a matter of how long we're going to stay here. Well, no one's had two consecutive 0-16 seasons, so uh, it could get worse. The Browns are, are a field goal away from having that, by the way. Yes. <laughs> They're also, you know, at certain points this season, a field goal way of True. not having any of that as well. And, and so. last season, remember the Dolphins game, they went three for six from field goals and and, right. and, and lost in overtime. So so easily could have won one, another one last year too. Well, hopefully, Chris, this is the last we hear of the Browns until uh, the draft machine starts getting churning. So next uh, week? embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll slowly pick up, but obviously – Springtime is, is when we'll be talking a lot about that. Uh, Chris, let, let's move on, though, to some, some news a, a, around sports. We'll start with Ohio State basketball uh, knocking off 
newly minted number one Michigan State, 80 to 64 on Sunday. Uh, Chris, how surprising is it that the Buckeyes were able to dethrone uh, the number one Spartans? Bob, this was a stunner because, A, I thought Michigan State was going to roll Ohio State. Let me just read you some of these scores in the last couple games. 107 to 62, 102 to 60, 111 to 61, 108 to 52. Those were all like kind of no-name schools. One of them was Cleveland State. Then Maryland, 91 to 61. This is Michigan State's last uh, five games. They were they weren't just winning. They were beating people into oblivion. I mean, Michigan State had been on a roll. They beat UNC earlier, 63 to 45. They beat Notre Dame earlier, 81 to 63. Their only loss was to Duke, 88-81. That was the second game of the year. They beat UConn, 77 to 57. Do I need to go on? No. The point is, Michigan State wasn't just number one. They were trouncing people. And then they come into Columbus, and they didn't just lose on like a last-second three. They got destroyed. Like from the last two minutes of the first half on, Ohio State just pounded them 80-64. to 64. Uh, Tom Izzo kind of got a technical at the end there, kind of gave up like a, a 9-11-0 run or something like that. And, and that was just uh, – I mean, that was just – a stunning performance by Ohio State. I certainly didn't see it coming, and uh, but but very glad to see Ohio State on top of the Big Ten, four and 13 and four. They received votes in the AP poll. They're they're 29th uh, if you go outside of the top 25. So uh, certainly uh, trending up um, in the, the, this uh, first season under Chris Holtman. Yeah, I mean, definitely surprising. A, a couple of takeaways from this is, is one, nobody wants to be number one, it seems, uh, this year. It, it's one of those years where there, there doesn't seem to be a clear-cut favorite uh, in, in men's basketball, and the number one ranking seems to essentially be a curse. <laughs> I mean, it's been traded off a, a lot uh, between some of those top teams. Um, and, and Ohio State, I mean, looking at their schedule going forward uh, in Big Ten play, that the, the only – other currently ranked team on their schedule is number five Purdue. So Ohio State at four and zero in the Big Ten uh, with a, a quality schedule and a quality record at this point looks set for uh, some, some March Madness. Well, yeah, I mean you look at their losses too. They lost to Gonzaga, uh, they lost to Clemson, and they lost to North Carolina. All of them are ranked in the top twenty. Their only loss to a non-top twenty-five team is Butler, who is a historical really strong team and they lost to them by one point in overtime so again four quote-unquote good losses they're not losing to anyone that they shouldn't be and then they add a win over number one ranked team who even though Michigan State isn't number one anymore I think it's safe to say they're probably going to hang around in the top 10 for the rest of the year and be a number one or number two seed in this March Madness feel so definitely the kind of signature win you need come tournament time the only thing I would be worried about here Bob is that that kind of weak Big Ten slate could work against them if they don't take care of business against Purdue because if they don't have a lot of opportunities to get more signature wins, they'll need to really take care of business down the stretch and pile up a bunch of teams that they should beat. And I don't care what conference you play in, that's not easy to do. So I would be worried about that from an Ohio State standpoint, but they've certainly, with this win, have positioned themselves – uh, 
in, in a way to get to March Madness. Yeah, definitely. And, and looking at potentially going to uh, the 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 um, NCAA tournament, uh, they have a weapon in Kata Bates Diop, who's averaging twenty points and eight rebounds and. Uh, ripped MSU to shreds with 32 points and seven rebounds during that game. Uh, he, he looks to be legit. You know, he missed majority of last season, only played in nine games, uh, but he, he looks to be a star, a fourth-year senior, uh, somebody that could make some, some serious noise heading to March and has been making noise uh, this entire season. Oh, certainly, certainly. Bates Diop had a huge game, uh, 32 points. They had four guys in double figures, Bob. C.J. Jackson also had 14 for them, their point guard. Uh, so, a very all-around strong win for Ohio State, and this is a team that had been kind of marred in kind of zombie land ever since Aaron Kraft gra- graduated, uh, so it's good to see Ohio State have some life back into it, flirting with the top 25. If they keep winning, they will certainly break into the rankings, and that's obviously a good thing. Well, looking at some professional basketball, Chris, uh Isaiah Thomas had a, a good debut against the Timberwolves, but did not play uh, at the second night of that back-to-back heading into Boston. Uh, and the Cavs got uh, their lunch handed to them in that game, losing 102-88. to A couple things stand out to me. Kevin Love, two t- points uh, in the total uh, of the game. Kyrie Irving, uh, only 11 points. Uh, seemed like an odd game, uh, one that I, I figured the Cavs might uh, lay an egg in considering that they just got it back and then he wasn't playing the, the second game uh chris does this does this mean anything more than a regular season loss to the Cavs? no not really uh, i mean first off they were playing on a back-to-back and, and this team historically does not take back-to-back seriously no matter who they're playing against so for them to go into boston and not you know take that game as seriously isn't surprising to me. The Cavs are not worried about beating the Celtics in the regular season. They're worried about beating them in a best-of-seven series should they meet in the postseason. And the way you do that when your team, as old as the Cavs, is you don't go all out on the second night of a back-to-back. And that's not to say that the players who played didn't give effort. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the Cavs are approaching this regular season just stay healthy, keep everyone intact, and, and everyone fresh. And, and and I just don't think that you know going full bore on the second night of a back to back. That's why they held Isaiah Thomas out. You know that that that's not how you accomplish the long term goals the Cavs are trying to do. Yeah, uh, I'm taking nothing away from it. If anything, it was to be expected. Uh, and if Kevin Love had a normal game or, or just a below average game, the Cavs might have been uh, in the running to, to win that game. Uh, but just from going to, to having the, the dynamic playmaker that you've lacked all season in Isaiah Thomas and, and and have that for 19 minutes against the Trailblazers, there's then do a back-to-back on the road in Boston, a team that you know seeks every chance to, to beat you and not have IT. Uh, it seemed like ripe for, for the Cavs to, to not only lose but look a little bit disoriented. Um, speaking of IT, though, uh, in that debut against the Trailblazers, 19 minutes, 17 points, three for eight from three-pointer. Uh, and then uh, on the sixth against the Magic, 21 minutes, 19 points, uh, two for four for, from downtown. Chris, uh, Isaiah Thomas looks to not only be back, but 
in good form, uh, which is awesome. How excited are you uh, for the potential that IT brings to the Cavs? Oh, extremely excited because uh, if he's struggling uh, acclimating to the NBA game, he's certainly not showing it because he, he, he doesn't look like he's lost a step. And uh, he's still dishing out plenty of assists, three and a half assists. He's shooting 52% from the field. He's only played 20 minutes in the two games, but he's averaged 18 points in that span, as you just said, uh, 41% from three-point land. So, Bob, it's like he's come back and doesn't look very rusty. I mean, the only thing you could say is maybe a little bit better from the free throw line, only 55% there, but he's also only taken nine attempts, so not a huge sample size, but that's getting kind of nitpicky. At the end of the day, after a long rehab that he's had, for him to come back and right off the gun just just get get everything rolling uh, is very encouraging. And, and, and now the Cavs just have to maintain him, keep him rested, keep him fresh, keep those minutes in check, and, and, and make sure that he is uh, healthy for the postseason because, uh, man, you add Isaiah Thomas to a team that was already figuring things out. It's just another dynamic scorer to take pressure off LeBron and give teams someone else to guard. Uh, I, I'm very excited because I didn't in my wildest dreams expect him to come out and be this good this early. So it shows that there's not too much rust and that he seems to be back in full gear. Yeah, I, I figured that there would be an adjustment period, even if IT was physically ready to uh, be the player he was last year, just because playing with a guy like LeBron does take a moment when you're so used to being the guy, and Isaiah Thomas was absolutely the guy for two years in Boston, uh, but it doesn't look to be the case. They look to be playing nicely together in the limited minutes that IT has had, uh, and it, it's it's... Uh, very exciting for, for the the second half of the NBA season to see these guys gel with a dynamic player that you know has all the skill sets of Kyrie Irving. Maybe lacks in a couple departments and lacks a little bit physically. But uh, one thing I don't doubt about it that in retrospect I doubt about Kyrie is is that the positive attitude that it will bring and the willingness to buy into what the Cavs are doing uh and and that will be awesome to see a guy of that skill set willingly be the number two to to lebron which will be awesome um to 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 watch uh, over the course of the season yeah bob you you just said what i was about to say I, i think what whatever gap there is between isaiah thomas and kyrie irving skills wise and i don't think it's that big of a gap but but i do think kyrie is slightly better he makes up for it with with the mindset. You just got the feeling that Kyrie Irving wanted to be a 1A or 1B, and he wasn't satisfied taking a back seat. I don't think Isaiah Thomas has that problem. Even though he was the alpha dog in Boston, I never got that sense about him in Boston. I, I got the sense that this was a guy who was the number one guy because he knew he needed to be that for his team. And now that he's on the Cavs, he just wants, you know, he, he's going to do what he needs to do for the team. And I I think it's so refreshing to see a guy with this kind of talent, this kind of elite talent, get it. That it's not that it's about getting that championship and being in these great situations to play for a championship instead of just being the number one guy. And 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 that's that's I think is what I like most about this Cavs team. It just seems like there are better pieces around LeBron in Jay Crowder, 
Dwayne Wade and Isaiah Thomas, guys with this mindset of, I don't really care if I'm the number one or if I'm coming off the bench. I just want to contribute and help this unit win. And I think that's going to, to, to help them in the long run. And, and, and I think it will give them more of an edge against Golden State than they've had uh, in, in, the last, in, in the last year, at least the last year, maybe in the last two years. Yeah, definitely. Ditto to everything you said. Plus, uh, Jeff Green has been super refreshing to, to watch coming off the bench. Uh, is averaging more than 10 points uh, with that. And I'd also say, you know, Kyle Korver uh, was a midseason addition last year. So we are just, you know, seeing him w- with his feet on the ground, uh, feet uh, ground under him, uh, playing against playing with the Cavs for, for a full season and he's been having a fantastic season off the bench as well so yeah they're deep uh, they have playmakers they're a little bit old there's some injury concerns uh, with a lot of those guys but uh, if they are all healthy and close to 100% hanging the postseason uh, I agree with you I think that this team right now uh, is as best equipped to, to beat the Warriors uh, as they have been uh, in the past three years yeah I agree. and Bob everyone forgets that when they won the title, they were down 3-1, and the Warriors were cleaning their clock. I mean, the Cavs got things together at the right time. The Draymond Green suspension certainly helped that. I'm not saying it was the only reason the Cavs won. Don't get me wrong. But, but, but people forget that I still think for, 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 the, for the better part of that series, the Golden State Warriors had outplayed the Cavs. The Cavs just got things together in the nick of time. And I, I don't know if... Those last two teams probably had more talent overall than this one. But I, I just think the configuration's a little bit better. I, I just think that there is a better fit around LeBron James with guys who can complement what he does better than what Kyrie Irving did. I, I think it just goes back to the fact that Kyrie clearly wanted to have his own team and, and just wasn't gelling with the fact that LeBron was the number one. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely something off there, so... Um, yeah, it's exciting. I, I like this team. I think there's a lot of positivity behind it and who knows, they might not be done adding pieces. Uh, they could only get better from here. So, uh, that's awesome. All right. Uh, we'll end, uh, with some non Cleveland talk. Cause again, the Browns are 16, not in the postseason. Uh, Chris looking back on wildcard weekend, I did not do so well. Uh, with some of my predictions, uh, my Super Bowl pick, the Rams already out losing to the Falcons. Um, how, how are your picks doing uh, and what was the, the best moment from that weekend? Well, I still have the Saints and the Patriots still alive, my Super Bowl pick, though uh, Sean Payton gave me a heart attack with that fourth down failure. Uh, uh, that was uh, quite the ending to the game, which, by the way, call, I totally agree with the call. Going forward on fourth down to try to ace the game. I don't hold anything against him. Uh, but yeah, he gave me a bit of a heart attack when they didn't get it. Anyway, uh, my moment of the weekend was Jacksonville Buffalo because I'm going to tip my cap to some smash mouth, hard nosed football being played. I'm sick and tired of everyone deeming a 59 52 game as greatest games of all time. Defense is awesome to watch too. And that Jacksonville Buffalo game was quite entertaining despite the lack of offense, uh, despite the, uh, no scoring nature of it very fun very intense lots of drama you have a backup rookie quarterback coming in and converting a fourth down even though he threw an interception a couple plays later so so a very fun game and I'm just going to tip my hat to a non-offensive 
great game because I, I enjoyed watching those two defenses uh, knock people around. Yeah, for sure. I ta- I caught the tail end of that uh, watching it with a friend who uh, is a Jacksonville fan, and um, they punted the ball. The Bills had it. Uh, I think with like three minutes left, uh, and he's like, "Man, I'm really nervous. I think they're going to lose." And I, I, I turned to him and I was like, "Dude, there's no way the Bills are going to do anything." And I, and the Bills, <laughs> uh, save for that that fourth down scamper uh, by Peterman, uh, the Jags, you know, ate them alive. Uh, I, that defense is for real. I also like your Saints pick uh, with with Drew Brees locked in as he is right now. And that defense, uh, I, I like that pick a lot. Uh, I wish I picked it myself. Um, but Chris, uh, there's another game uh, close to, to to my home down here in, in Nashville. Tennessee Titans winning 22 to 21. They entered the half down 21 to three, trailing the Chiefs. Uh, they held, hold the Chiefs scoreless in the second half. Marcus Mariota catching his own pass for a touchdown, uh, something that that should not have been. Uh, and then uh, on the game winning drive, uh, laying down a lead block for, for Derrick Henry for a 22 yard run, uh, Mariota and the Titans just willed themselves to, to win that game. Pretty, uh, crazy and impressive to see. Unfortunately, they draw the, uh, the, the, the pass to, to go into new England, uh, in this upcoming week. We'll see what happens there, but for a week, uh, the Titans were heroes. Yeah. First off, it's time to free Derrick Henry. I, I mean, this guy is a beast of a running back, and I think fantasy owners everywhere have been screaming, see, this is why we keep tweeting at the Tennessee Titans official Twitter to give him more carries, because this guy has a very bright future ahead of him. But yeah, Bob, I, I, I like you do not like their chances in New England. I do, however, like Jacksonville's chances in Pittsburgh. As you remember, Bob, last week, called the shot. I said Jacksonville would upset Pittsburgh. I'm not deterred by the awful offense displayed by the Jaguars. I'm going to chalk that up to a little bit of Buffalo defense and, and and hope that they have more success against the Steelers. But I think that Jacksonville defense is for real. They're going to shock a lot of people. And my other big call this weekend, it's not, it's not very bold, but I think that the winner of the Vikings-Saints game will win the NFC. And I am very much looking forward to that one because that is going to be a very, very fun game. I expect uh, one of the better games of the playoffs to occur in Minnesota this weekend. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I'm nervous for my remaining Super Bowl pick uh, rematch against the Jaguars uh, early in the season. The Jags won 30-9, to absolutely shellacked the Steelers, picking off Big Ben five times in that game. Uh, Chris, the Jaguars scored 30 points, and Blake Bortles in that game was eight for 14 with 95 yards passing and an interception. It was the defense with some pick sixes and Leonard Fournette uh, just smashing the ball down the Steelers' throat 28 times, 181 yards, and two touchdowns. So uh, I don't know. The Jags' offense has not been what it has been in the first half. The Steelers' offense got better as the season progressed. So I'm not sure it's going to be that much of a blowout but I think it will be close because that Jags defense is legit and for real um I'm still I still like the Steelers I like the Patriots I, I like the Saints uh and I just can't pick the Eagles without uh Carson Wentz as their quarterback so I like the Falcons there 
Yeah, we had the same pick except for I'm I'm going the upset with the Jaguars, as you know. Um, I'm sticking with the Saints, but that that is I am not confident about that pick in any way. That is a true toss-up game. Minnesota is for real. Uh, I was torn between picking the Saints and the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl. I think that's what what I'm most irked about the Rams losing is that it, it put the Saints in with the Vikings and denied them sort of an NFC championship slot. I was hoping those two wouldn't meet till the NFC championship game. One other thing, though, Antonio Brown, I think he will play, but obviously if he doesn't play for Pittsburgh, that is a huge loss. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I hope he is ready because Antonio Brown versus Jalen Ramsey uh, would be fantastic. Uh, but the Steelers have developed some, some secondary weapons in the passing game, Juju Smith-Schuster and Martavis Bryant. So uh, they, they would still be able to get it done. But, yeah, I, I feel a lot better if they have A.B. for sure. Also, I'm picking an upset. I'm not picking a 30-9 to win. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Jacksonville's offense is that good to duplicate that. No, at this point, everyone's figured out that uh, it's Leonard Fournette or best. <laughs> so. the, the one other thing I will say is for the last time the Jacksonville Jaguars won in the playoffs, they beat the Steelers in the wild card round in 2007. That same year, they had schlacked Pittsburgh in the regular season. So maybe history repeats itself once every 10 years. Hopefully, in my case, it does. Bob, one last thing. Can you believe that we have had zero baseball news to talk about this entire offseason other than Carlos Santana? This has got to be one of the driest free agent periods ever. Yeah, it, the stove is a slow is the slowest cooker uh, right now, the, the MLB hot stove. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very surprised that nothing has happened um there must be just like a lot of stalemates out there uh both sides not willing to budge on, on whatever differences i i don't get it at all it, it just it's ice cold man the the winter meetings have happened nothing it's it's insane the only i mean the the, the stanton trade was big but that that wasn't a free agent signing it was a trade so it doesn't really count yeah and it was the marlins giving away their players again so double doesn't count anyway um Right. But yeah, man, that, 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 hey, we're going to wrap things up here because that is all we've got for this week. But thank you so much for listening to Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. You want to catch up on all old episodes, all you have to do is go to FenleyRoadSports.com. Click in the icon in the upper right-hand corner. That'll take you to iTunes. You can subscribe there. Or if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, search Fenley Road Sports through iTunes. Click Clee Talk and you'll get right where we would have taken you through FenleyRoadSports.com. It's just that simple. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Search Fenley Road Sports. We thank you for your support. We will be back next week with another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. But until then, go Cavs, man. It's it's weird. No, no one else is playing right now, man. Yeah, we're getting into one of those lulls. But, yeah, certainly go Cavs. All right. Take it easy, Bob. Later.